You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. Okay, you already know what I'm going to say. I am excited because you're going to learn something today. This podcast is to equip, encourage, and educate entrepreneurs in the least amount of time possible because your host has very little patience. And I don't have an hour and a half to listen to a podcast to learn something. So we're going to do it in 10 minutes. I have Clint Paget with me here today. We're going to talk about how you can manage projects better, meet deadlines better. Uh, you know, he's written two books, you know, How Teams Triumph. He's the founder of Project Success. Clint, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, Sean. Okay. So I know you've written a couple books, but let's get into, because I, you know, we always hear, you know, over under promise, over deliver. Grant sure. Cardone would say over promise, over deliver. But at the end of the day, I, I always talk about business being this conveyor belt. Mm -hmm. You attract customer. I mean, if I, if I wanted to dumb it down to its simplest form, I would say you would track customers, you sell customers, you fulfill customers, and then you rinse, repeat at, at its most simple core. Yep. And so Correct. I'm going to move you to the third part of that, the fulfillment, because if you can't fulfill what it is you've promised and or sold, and none of the one and two ain't going to matter really much longer. <laughs> you won't be able to do number one very many times. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think Whenever you get new customers or even some long-time existing customers, if you maybe uh, let them down in the past or didn't deliver quite when you said you would, to me, the key is it's not over-promising. It's promising what you can actually deliver and then delivering on that. And so I, I'm a big fan of being realistic when you plan projects and not being one of those people who, as you said, are under-promise and over-deliver because then people say, well, Clint always gives us more than he says. If we If he says that, we know we're going to get more. And you might not get more. Maybe I was being honest that time. So to me, it's all always about coming from a sense of what we can actually get done. Don't overpromise, but don't underpromise either. And then be real, be honest and open and transparent about what can and can't be done. And if it can't be done, say, hey, this is we can't do it because of X, Y, and Z, and move on to the next thing. Yeah, I, I'm a firm believer. And the choice of the two, I believe in underpromising because there's too many things that can go wrong. It's just called life. So to to me, if to me, if you have to over, you may have to over promise early on in your entrepreneurial journey to get that customer that you, that, you know, it's a stretch, yep. but you also know, deep down in your heart, you're going to literally die to make this thing happen. You know, you, you know, right. you went into it with that. <laughs> and, and sometimes it's easier to, to, to ask for forgiveness <laughs> yeah. than to ask permission. <laughs> so your foot's already uh, in the door at that point. <laughs> exactly. So I get it. But as a general rule, I try to, you know, and, and I, and a lot of home service companies and things of that nature. And I always like to build margin into everything. Mm -hmm. I build margin into the budget, margin into the time, uh, you know, er, you know, all the conceivable things, because I, I, I know what can go wrong, but tell us how we can improve meeting deadlines, why we establish deadlines. Just give us like a, a one-on-one class in efficiency. Sure. So let me tell you what I would not do. I'll, I'll take it from that approach. Yeah, I know that when when I'm talking about project management, some people want to run, run run screaming from the room, and the reason is because their whole career, when somebody said we're doing project management, it meant I'm going to feel pain. And the reason I say that is because maybe their whole experience in managing projects was Joe sits over there in a corner by himself putting together the project plan. He he puts activities with my name on it. Doesn't ask me if they're mine, but assigns me to them apparently uses a random number generator to generate the durations for those tasks because they're not remotely close to what it's actually going to take. 
assigns me to the task, puts my duration on it for me without my input, publishes the schedule, and then holds me accountable for it and uses that schedule to beat me over the head with for the remainder of the project and complain to my boss and I'm not doing a good job. So, of course, if that's what project management is, I want to run screaming from the room because that's not what I want to do. So what we advocate for is actually being realistic with your durations, actually having the people in the room say, that's my task. I own it. So you get some accountability and then having that person tell you what it is they need from other people to start their task and then how long it's actually going to take them based on their workload with all the other projects they're working on. Because I know that project work is not your main job. You got your day job and the project work is always put on top of it. Only they know when they're going to have their kids this weekend or what their soccer games are for the kids. Only they know that. So that we have to let those people to hold themselves accountable. They need to be in control of their tasks. Yeah, because you can't because you can't put your you know their feet on the fire if they had no input. Exactly. And, and well, you we can, can, but it's not fair. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair and it doesn't work <laughs> because no. when you push them, they're going to come back with it. Well, you never asked me. Yeah, you know, exactly. if I if you know their their first go to move is if I was a part of the conversation, if I would have had input, I would have told you such and such. Yeah, or they walk out of the room going, "Well, that's never going to happen." I know yeah. it says it's going to be done by Friday, but I it's not. And so now we have a paper schedule that nobody believes in, and unfortunately, it looks good on paper, but it can't be executed against. Okay, so the first thing we've get when we're you know managing a project, getting big things done, you can call it whatever you want to call it. What what Clint and I have just established is have all the players that are involved, the, the critical players, yep. involved yeah. in designing the plan, at least if it's a timeline. I mean, you may create the objective, but it, it's never a bad idea, even in that case, to go, hey, listen, this is what I'm trying to achieve. What do you think? You'd be shocked how people that you never thought go, well, have you thought about this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, if you consider that and, you know, seasonally, like I've had people say, well, that company closes down their manufacturing plant for like three weeks in July every year. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah. well, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know, this plant's in, in France where they go on vacation the month of June. And this one's in Germany where they're out for the month of July. I mean, you have to know those things. So I think you hit it on the head, actually. We're a big fan also of having the team. It participate in what we call the charter document, which is really trying to understand the scope and objectives. Because if, I, if I'm if i a team member and I understand what our objective is, then I'm going to be able to give you more insight from my personal experience, from my background. And I'll have, if things get off track, I have a better way of understanding how I go from where I'm at now back to achieving the goal. If you just tell me, Clint, go do X, then, then I'm going to try to do X. And if I run into a wall, then I won't really know how to proceed. So I think it's a good idea to have the people on the team actually understand what the objectives are so that they can actually use their intelligence to adjust if things go wrong. Right. And a John Maxwell principle, they need to have buy-in. Correct. You're just not going to have buy-in if they, they've never had a voice in it. All right. Give us another critical piece of, of, of the, how do we fulfill what it is we've promised people, whether it's a project, you know, a major initiative. I think two things. One I'm going to tie on is what you just said, which is the buy-in piece. Most of the day, we most projects today work in a matrix environment where the project manager has no formal authority over the people on his or her team. So this person responds to somebody else for their, their job their job reviews, their pay raises, and they're dotted line to my project plus four or five other projects. So not only do I not control the people on my team, I have no formal authority over them. I'm actually competing with their time for others. So the only chance that I've got to be successful in a matrix is if I put the accountability back on the people and have them feel like it's their project. And so some of the things we can do to make it feel like it's their project, we've just talked about. Have them in the room, have them understand why we're doing what we're doing, have them tell me what the activities are, what their durations are, et cetera. 
The other thing is I think customers, whether they're internal or external, often are overly aggressive in their deadlines. And they know that maybe the deadline they're putting out there isn't realistic and can't be met, but they say, hey, let's give it a shot. And so I'm a big fan, again, of being realistic. And so if we can build a plan, if we can't build a plan that shows us getting there without breaking the laws of physics, we should just be honest and say, there's no way to get this. We can do that instead. And then they should ask you some good questions. I mean, I've got a client here in Atlanta that I did a project for about 20 years ago on this. It was a high definition project. They wanted to be the first major network to take all their programming available in high def. We're planning the project in April. And by November, they wanted to go live. And we did a planning session and realized that we couldn't we couldn't go live in, in November. We could go live in January and then with some one studio and they go live with everything else by March or April of the following year. And they ask a question, what if you gave you more people? What if we gave you more money? But at the end of the day, they agreed we couldn't meet the deadline in November. They understood why. And they said, okay, while we don't love it, we will accept January. And that, and we met that. So to me, it's about being realistic about what you can and can't do. And then understanding, being able to articulate why you can't do it, what you can do instead, but then living up to that, what you agree to. And, and I'm to the audience, I'm going to tell you something else where you can really leverage this. I, I, I get deadline to death. Somebody gives me a deadline. I immediately respond. It can't be done. And they go, well, what do you mean? I go, I'm just telling you, I've been doing it for 23 years. I've overseen this many millions of dollars in this exact thing. And I'm telling you, when I tell you we can't do it, please educate me on the company that told you they can. Because I can tell you right now, I do not know of them. And you can just see like the, you know, like the look on their face. You know, I go I, and they go, well, what, what you like kind of like, what do you mean? I go and I just drop like four things. I go, well, have you factored in this or you factored? In? And they hadn't heard any of that. You know, yeah. have you considered that? You know, like the idea, like, do you know that, that you can't get a manufacturer right now to even take on a new client like that, a new project like that, or whatever the case may be, then you look like, you know, the, the knight in shining armor to them. Yeah. So yeah. even though you can't meet the deadline, you've hit them with the reality test. Yeah. And they, yeah. it's actually refreshing to them. Where yeah. they're like, okay, okay, then no, that makes sense. And you, you've put in, in now instead of competing with time, you became the authority. You became the adult in the room. We thought it was too good to be true, but we hoped it wasn't. Exactly. Thank you for telling us, and then telling us why. So yeah, so I, I, you I can think it's pivot another, off of that. Absolutely, I think another piece of that is, and this is probably going to raise the hackles on a lot of people listening, but. We don't believe in back scheduling. So back scheduling is where you get the deadline and you back your way into a project, right? So if you think about when you back schedule, you say things like, okay, the project's got to be done by the end of the year. That means that last task is going to take at least a month. It's got to start no later than December 1st. And one before that, it's going to take at least three weeks. It's got to start by no later than November 7th. And you back your way into the project. You forgot about Christmas. You forgot about Thanksgiving holiday. You you building a schedule because if, if realistically, if you say, if I need at least a month, then realistically, you need more than a month. The only way it's a month is if everything goes perfectly because you need at least one month. So everything has to go perfectly. And you're building a plan that only works in one scenario, which is where everything goes perfectly. And the last time I had a plan like that, I woke up because it was a dream. Projects don't go perfectly. I often joke they should be called the theory of chaos because they're chaotic. So why would you want to build a plan that's only going to work if things go perfectly? So what we talk about is being realistic about, like you said, what is it we need to do? Have you thought about this? I've got to find a manufacturer thing, actually take on somebody. That's going to take me a month to find that person or that company and build a plan the way you want it, apply the deadline, figure out which tasks are making you late and then worry about those tasks. 
Yeah. And, and the one thing you, you feel like you early on, you, you don't do this. Your friend is margin. I'm telling you, margin is your friend. And I have learned like doing it as long as I have for every 10 days of any project, we build one day in. And I can't even tell you what the one day is for, but by golly, there is always that one day of thing. <laughs> and I just say, it's, it's what you didn't account for. I go, if we finish early, we have a really happy customer. Yeah. But even if we finish on time, we have a really happy customer. Correct. So we can't lose either way. Yeah. Yeah. So we probably wouldn't call it margin. What we typically do is we build in activities for risk. So if there's a, a probability that something task will need to be redone, we would add a task called rework or debug. If there is something that's subject to weather, we would build an extra time for rain. So rather than just arbitrarily adding time, we actually try to find the activities where we can kind of defend it because if somebody figures out that I'm padding, then I might get into myself in trouble, but hundred percent agree. You need to add some, some margin in. We just put yeah. it in maybe a different you can place. do some fancy terming in my business. Yeah. It's <laughs> my, my little cheat sheet. <laughs> I always ask my, cause I'm not the one presenting and I always say to my, my partners, have you built some margin into there? Okay. I always say the yeah, rule of, of thumb is for every 10 working days, there's one day that you better <laughs> consider something. So give me the, the, the one what you would wish you would have known, you know, 20 years ago now doing this, you know, helping people maximize business outcomes, you know, helping people with project success. What What's the big thing that you find that people, the, either the biggest mistake they're making or the one thing they need to consider? We've already, it's really to me, it's a two-headed, a two-headed answer, but we've already touched on one of them. The big piece is people matter. And if you want to be successful in a project and people are helping you with on that project, then you do, you need to involve them early and often have them feel like it's their project. They have some accountability for it and they've got some buy-in into the project. And the other piece is what I call shifting the worry curve in today's environment where you have more projects than we can possibly take on. And yet we over, we, you know, companies over launch projects and the hope that, you know, we'll make it on all of them. And there's this tendency of people to say, we got a year on this project. We'll get to it. And then the problem is, yeah, maybe you had a year-long project, but no work got done in the first six weeks because you're focused on the other five projects. It's now you've only got 46 weeks to achieve this project. So it just got a lot more difficult. So for us, it's about shifting the worry curve, worrying early in the project, taking the time to plan this project out, identifying which tasks need to be done in weeks one, two, three, and four. The, and the rest of them can be late, but these four, these four things have got to be done earlier. We're going we're gonna to miss the deadline in the back end. And tell them, you know, obviously your company is Project Success. Tell my audience real quickly how you help them with what we've all been talking, what we've been talking about. Sure. We do really two things. We train people on how to manage projects on their own. And then for a lot of clients, they say, well, this is a little bit overwhelming. Can you come in and put this in our language? So we teach them the first two days and then we come back behind that, pick some projects and we actually help them in their world, with their environment, with their own terminology help them plan and then execute a project so that they actually get better at it on their own and they can go do it by themselves. I like that. Again, the pro this podcast is to equip, encourage, and educate entrepreneurs. What we talked about today, definitely some education on how you can manage projects better. If you need help with them, please reach out to Clint at Project Success. Uh, Clint, how can they also connect with you, You know, you, your audience, and sure. you know, your company and things of that nature? Yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn at Clint.Paget and you can all reach me at Clint.Paget at ProjectSuccess.com as well. Okay. Audience, you know, this broadcast by now is brought to you by Gig Strategic, the best digital marketing company for businesses under 500. They're fantastic because you actually work with a real human being. 
Um, they've done incredible job for my company. So I encourage you to reach out to them. Again, thank you for listening. We will talk again soon.